Good morning, beloved Orangewood. Happy Advent. Uh, it's great to uh, celebrate Advent with you. I hope and pray you had a wonderful Thanksgiving weekend. Hey, we got news uh, as a church family, some sad news yesterday. Longtime member and a dear friend of mine, uh, Scott Sowers, uh, suddenly went to be with the Lord yesterday uh, at home. Um, and do pray for his wife, Nancy. They have three children, three grown children, Wendy, Jeff, and Matt. Um, there'll be more information uh, this week. You can look for an email about how, how we're going to remember uh, Scott's life and celebrate eternal life in Christ Jesus. And that's just kind of where we find ourselves, isn't it? In the midst of Thanksgiving, Christmas, life still happens. I mean, it's still heavy in many ways. There's still so much brokenness uh, inside, so much brokenness out there. And that's why we need to get together every week and remind ourselves again and again and again of who God is, of what he has done and what he's doing. And that this story ends marvelously well. Uh, we find ourselves in the midst of it. Uh, some chapters are glorious and some are painful. Uh, but in the midst of it all, uh, we have Emmanuel, God with us. And a God who's not just with us, but a God who's for us. And that just kind of helps us uh, guide our way through all of this. So let me ask, how was your, your holiday, your Thanksgiving weekend? How many of you all traveled uh, this week, anybody get out of town? It's, I think, one of the most busy uh, traveling weeks or weekends in all the year, only surpassed, I believe, by Christmas and New Year's. Um, some 44 million Americans, AAA said, uh, were on the roads uh, this year. Uh, I drove up with my family to North Carolina and back. I think I saw most of the 44 million in our travels on I-95. I wish more of the millions drive a little bit better. But uh, what, why do we do that? Why do we get in cars and go a long ways uh, for holiday weekends? Well, we long to be with family. Sometimes we get there and say, why did I drive this far away? You know, what am I doing? But we, we want to be together. Uh, there's something about us that wants to, especially around uh, holidays, to, to dwell together, to, to be together. Well, the story of the Bible this incredible story is a story of how God longs to dwell, be with his people. That God's a family man. He, he, he loves to, to be with his family and love them. And the story of the Bible is, though, although we've rebelled from him, how Jesus rescues us. And so again, we could forever dwell with God. It's incredible. See, God has created us for himself and he created us to hang with him in paradise. And although we'd lost that very quickly in the story, the story of the Bible is about a God who doesn't give up on you. And he doesn't give up on me. And a God who will not let us go. And although we separate ourselves from him, he runs after us. I mean, that's the beautiful thing about God. He, he continues to run after us. And so throughout scripture, we're going to see that reality. And then we see at the Christmas time, the distance that God himself would go. The distance that God would go so that you and I could be a part of that family celebration. He traveled from heaven to earth. That's the story of the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. Is that, hey, he is our God and we are his sheep, the people of his pasture. And he can't stop loving us. And, and during Advent, we're going to see how Jesus has, has rescued us back. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to look this week at what it means for us to be uh, created to have fellowship with God in the garden. We're going to start in Genesis, 
And then we're going to realize that although we sinned and rebelled, uh, he pursued us in a tabernacle in the, in the wilderness. What does that mean for us? Then we're going to look at the temple. And then we're going to see that Jesus in his own flesh uh, has come uh, to tabernacle to be with us. And as a matter of fact, New Year's Day, we'll be back here. We'll end this series. And it's going to be talking about the new heavens and the new earth. And the whole hope is that God forever will dwell with his people. So there's one word for the whole Advent series. Dwell. That God wants to dwell with you. Dwell. God with us. Emmanuel. Let's start at the very beginning. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Genesis chapter 1. We're going to look at a little bit of Genesis 1 and 2 today. I'll make references of other verses. If you don't have your Bible, you'll find in your bulletin uh, this listed, this passage listed for you. But my hope and prayer is this, is that you'll get a sense of, of who God is and get a real sense that he longs, he longs to, to dwell with us and that when we dwell with him, we find our true self and we find life and life abundantly. I'm going to read Genesis 1 uh, verses uh, 27 through the end of the chapter and then a few verses in Genesis 2 starting in 7 and 9 and pick up 15 and 17. So let's hear the word of the Lord. Genesis 1 verse 27, picking up the creation account. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, behold, I've given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of the earth and every tree with seed and its fruit. You shall have them for food and to every beast of the earth and to every bird of the heavens, to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life. I've given every green plant for food and it was so. And God saw everything that he made and behold, it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. Skipping to verses 7 through 9. A retelling of this creation story in chapter 2. Then the Lord God formed the man of dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living creature. And the Lord planted a garden in Eden in the east. And there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground the Lord God made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was in the midst of the garden and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And now verses 15 through 17. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden to work it and keep it. And the Lord commanded the man saying, you may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. From the day you eat it, you shall surely die. Let us pray. Oh, Father God, we thank you that you are a God who loves us and a God who longs to be with us. As we are weary, many of us, from traveling, from seeing family to go great distances, no one has gone a greater distance than you, Jesus, so that we could know and love you and know and love your Father, so that we could be filled with your Spirit, so that we could be called your beloved family and bride. Oh, Holy Spirit, come into this room and and God, remind us again 
of who you are. Remind us again of who we are. Remind us again what Jesus has done for us. For, for some, it might be the very first time. But for all of us, may you speak through a broken sinner like me that, God, we would hear living words, words that would give us hope. Hope in a God who loves and a God who does so marvelously well for his people. God, give us ears to hear your voice, minds to understand your word as we begin in the beginning and dig our way through. God, that you give us hearts to embrace your truth and that you would give us feet to walk in a manner worthy of your name. The things that I say that are wrong are just my opinion. May those things fall away and be forgotten. But the things that are said that are true, that contain this good news of the gospel of what Christ has done for us, would you use those things to make us more like your son, our savior, Jesus. And it's in his matchless and precious name that we pray. Amen. In your bulletin, you're going to find an outline. If you want to follow along with me, we're going to see that we are created. We are created by design to, to dwell with God. We're going to look at three things this morning. We're going to see that we're created to find our identity uh, in our God. We are created for fellowship with God. And also that we are created to find our purpose through God. And the first thing is this. Whoever you are, Whoever you've been, whatever your life story is, you are precious in God's sight. How do I know this? Because God is precious. And God has reflected his image in you. He has made you and me in his own image. We are the very image of God. Unlike anything else that God created, what God created, he said was good. But what is very good is you and what is very good is me. Because we're his reflection. When God sees us, he, he sees himself. He, he did something grand, something special to, to man and women like he's done to nothing else in all of creation. He's put himself in us in a way that we, we represent him. We're created to know and, and to be known by him, to love him and made in his image. That is why every single life is always precious because we reflect who our God is. We were created not only by God. Here's the reality. We were created for God. We were created by God and we were created for him. We can never find our true identity. We can never find our true self. We can never find even our purpose apart from him. When we are separated with him, uh, from him because of sin or something in our lives, we lose that identity. We lose that worth. And only in him can we find that identity. How many of you have had your identity stolen? Anybody had their identity stolen here? It's amazing. Uh, I, I know that I, I leave and lose my wallet like two or three times a year. I go into DMV like, oh, you're back. Oh, you need another license, huh? Um, so somewhere around this city, I have, you'll find a wallet. It's probably mine. I, I've, I've left them all over the place. But I can't believe it. I've never personally had my identity stolen. My daughter, Allie, I got a letter from the IRS. Uh, she is 19 in college. And someone uh, filed a tax return under her social security number. And you start digging, saying, okay, you know, what identity do they grab? And, and what do we have to do to make sure that identity isn't lost? And for those of you who have had that, that hassle of having your identity stolen and to try to regain that, it's just, it's a pain in the rear, is it not? I told you, the Bible says, we read it this morning, you're of great worth because you made the image of God. But that identity wasn't stolen completely, but it was stolen and marred by sin. 
And that's the story of the Bible is that, that identity was, was lost or, or we forgot because of our rebellion with God. And because of that reality, we, we, we wander. We're trying to figure out, who am I? Am, am I of worth? And, and, and what am I about? A guy named Augustine lived a long time ago. He's in the fourth century. And he said something that really rings so true, no matter what century he lived in. He talked about our hearts. He said, you know, our hearts will forever wander. They'll forever wander until they find their rest in God. Interesting. He's basically saying you can never be at peace. You can never be happy with who you are. You're going to forever wander until you find rest in the one who created you, in your God. Well, Christmas is this great celebration, this Advent celebration, is that our, our identity has been rescued. I mean, we were created in God's image. It was marred by sin. And now Christ has come. He's come to, to restore that identity uh, in Christ Jesus. Can Adele sing or what? I mean, again, my kids make fun of me because when Adele comes on, sometimes I just stop. I got to listen. I mean, there's times that, you know, they talk about finding me sometimes like in the car, cranking Adele. I have like my Adele years, like everything else has got, I got to listen to this woman sing. Well, another one of those was, was Josh Groban's Oh Holy Night. Have you heard that fella sing that song? He knocked that thing out of the park. It's incredible. Let me, let me, let me do my inner Josh Groban for you. Ready? <clears throat> I'm going to do it, by the way. So just be ready. <laughs> oh, holy night. The stars are brightly shining. It is the night of our dear Savior's birth. Listen. Long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. It's amazing. I got to write this down, mom. I, I sang and people clapped. That's incredible. That's incredible. Thank you. I'm sorry. I, I know if I had to pay for your therapy, I'm going to sing two more times this morning, by the way. So just be ready. When he appeared, the soul felt its worth. I love that, that line. If, if there's anything you could remember this morning, it's probably that line I'd like you to remember. That in Jesus' appearing, the soul felt its worth. Because you were worth God becoming flesh. You were worth Jesus leaving earth to come and find you. You were worth a manger. You were worth a stable. You were worth a cross. You were worth a rejection by the Father. You were worth that much to God that he would put on flesh to come find you. And so the soul felt its worth when, when Jesus walked the earth, when, when God put on flesh and tabernacled among us. You see why? Because we were created for God and by God. In Christ Jesus, we are recreated and that identity is, is captured again. It's what it says in 2 Corinthians 5.14 that, that we are new creations in Christ. The old is gone and the new has come. And, and again, we can find our worth. And I, and I know we live in a time, and I think it's always been that way at this side of the garden, of we wrestle with our worth. We wrestle with our identity. We wrestle with what the mirror tells us. And we look for it in so many different places and, and creation and our jobs and, and relationships with one another. And the only way you're going to ever know your worth 
is to know your identity. The only way you're going to know your identity is to know your God. And the only way you ever know your God is through his son. And so he has come created to find that identity rescue for us. The second thing is this. We're created not just for our identity being God, but it's good news. And we also created for fellowship with God. God created us to hang with him, to walk with him. Scripture keeps telling us that, that we, even as Christians, are to walk in a manner worthy of the name, to, to walk. Uh, that's how God has, wants us to live our lives, walking in fellowship with him. It started that way in the garden. It says that in the cool of the evening, uh, God, the father, he would, he would show up and he'd, he'd walk among them. I mean, Adam and Eve and have fellowship with them. They were created to, to be known by God and know God and love him. But that fellowship was lost. Some of the best times in my Thanksgiving this year was sitting on the back porch, uh, sitting and gathering. The meal had been done and now you're kind of satisfied and maybe still have a sip of vino or, or maybe even a nice cigar. And you sit with family and you just kind of can have that fellowship. But we also know this. Is there anything as painful at the holidays of broken fellowship? I don't want you to raise your hand, but how many of you know broken fellowship over the holidays? It's like a magnifying glass, isn't it? It's like... It's like everything you kind of ignore about the fact it's still dysfunctional about your family. And once you gather the, those who aren't there or those who won't talk to you or those who you're sideways with, it's like a magnifying glass. It's, it's hard sometimes to see anything else. And I, I know that was true in my own uh, Thanksgiving this, this year. Uh, some fracture that's in our family and, and uh, lack of communication um, with, with a family member. And that... that Thanksgiving, it just kind of magnifies. It's like, oh man, this shouldn't be this way. You see, what you see, sin broke our fellowship with God. That's what happened according to the Bible, that we were created in his image and for him, but that sin got in the way and we were driven from fellowship, literally driven out of his presence, out of the garden. It was like God is so holy and man is now so sinful that that fellowship has been broken, that we were driven from the God who created us. But the incredible good news of Advent, the Advent story is that Jesus came to earth to restore fellowship, to restore the, the smile of the Father and the relationship with him. That's why we sing. Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king. Peace on earth and mercy mild. God and sinners reconciled. That's why he came. Jesus came to end that broken relationship uh, that, that we had with the Father. And the way he accomplished it, it's crazy. I mean, again, even if you don't believe the story of the Bible, if, you don't, if you're far away from Christianity, you got to admit it's an incredible message that, that the way God would restore a broken relationship with his created image bearers is by sending his son and, and through his life and death, there would be a broken relationship between father and son on the cross to the point where Jesus would cry out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That Jesus would have a broken relationship with the Father so he could absorb the Father's wrath for our sin and our brokenness. Why? So that we can have a restored relationship. And it's just incredible good news. That, that, 
that God himself will, will endure this broken fellowship with his father so that you and I never have to endure that broken fellowship. You see, in Christ Jesus, we have that union. It'll never be broken. Now, yes, the communion will be clogged. There's times that because of our sin and, and our disbelief that we feel far from God, but his grip on us, that union will never, ever change. And what an incredible blessing that is. That's why 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 21 remind us that we are that new creation, that God was in Christ Jesus reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting our trespasses against us, that we have been reconciled and we've been given a ministry of, of reconciliation. Why? So that we can have fellowship. This is what it says in 1 John 1, 3 and 4. That which we, John would write, that which we have seen and heard proclaim also to you so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And we're writing these things so that our joy may be complete. See, the story of, of Christianity, the story of Advent is that fellowship is restored. That we could have fellowship. I mean, that's just not distant fellowship, but Abba, Father, intimate fellowship with God. And you know, the beautiful thing about this story is it's available to you and to me, to everyone. Because Jesus came so humbly. He came so low. He's so accessible to all. That's why he has this manger. That's why he was so poor. That's why he came as a pauper, so that he could be accessible. You don't have to be a position. You don't have to be religious. You don't have to be even a morally right person. You got to know that you're a broken person. That's what you got to know, that you're a needy person. But he came for the weak and the broken. That's why there's a dirty manger. Because he knew our lives were dirty. He knew our lives were messy and he had to be accessible to all. Don't you let for a minute, don't, don't let the enemy or your flesh tell you that you are disqualified from Jesus. Don't ever, because he came to save sinners. He even says, I didn't come for the righteous. I didn't come for the religious folks who think they have it all together. I came for those who, who are broken, the lost. He came for you and me for our fellowship to be restored. There's nothing that can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Nothing. And when it says nothing here, it means nothing. It's incredible that that fellowship would be restored. Galatians 4, 4 through 7 will tell us in the fullness of time that God would send forth his son born of a virgin, born of a woman. There's this virgin birth, born under the law that he's got to fulfill, that he might redeem us, he might rescue us, that he might adopt us. It says this, so that we could be made sons and daughters of God. How intimate is that fellowship with God? It's, it's family fellowship of the intimate kind where we call him Abba Father and he calls us true sons. And he goes on to say, and by the way, joint heirs with Christ, which, which language we don't use unless you're like an attorney who plans estates. But it's basically saying that everything that Jesus has rightfully earned is the only begotten son. And everything that Jesus has rightfully earned is the only obedient son. He gives to us. He shares us his name. He shares us his righteousness. He shares us his life. And now he says that we have fellowship with him that is unbroken. When it comes to Thanksgiving, we could take a poll. Who traveled the farthest to go see dysfunctional family? And I can tell you it's this, that Jesus did. 
He left heaven to come to earth for a dysfunctional family to be called his own. It's pretty amazing. So we find our identity in him. We find our fellowship with him. And thirdly, we're created to find our purpose through him or through God. Genesis will tell us our purpose. Our purpose uh, is this, is that God is humankind has made us, uh, God has made humankind in his image. Why? For us to, to represent him, to represent him and to fill the earth. We're to be fruitful, he says, uh, to multiply. We are to fill the earth, to subdue it and have dominion over it. What does that mean? Well, he's saying that he, he wants us to represent him in all the earth, in wherever piece of earth God has given you to live your life, to be his ambassadors, it says in 2 Corinthians 5, over creation. Our denomination holds highly a theological work called the Westminster Confession. And in there, there are some questions and answers called catechisms. And the first catechism, shorter catechism question is going to ask, what's the primary purpose of man? Or maybe if you've memorized that one time, you heard, what's the chief end of man? It's basically saying, what's, what's man all about? Man and woman, humankind. And it says this, we're here to glorify God and to, to enjoy him forever. What does that mean? I mean, it's, it's one of those churchy words, glorify God. Yeah, yeah. What does that mean? Well, glorifying him by worshiping him. By realizing he's number one in your life. And you'll forget, but continually coming back to that reality. We glorify him by we obey him, saying, your will be done in my life. We glorify him by telling his story and his love through our life. And we glorify him by doing what? By being fruitful. By multiplying, making more disciples and filling the earth with his renown. You see, Advent is that celebration that Jesus has come to restore us of our original purpose. We're recreated in Christ to be back on task. That ambassador thing. Jesus would say it this way. Right before he ascended the end of the gospel of Matthew, he would tell his disciples and us, he said, all authority in heaven and earth has now been given to me. And it always had it, but now that he's resurrected, I mean, everything has been given to him. And he says to his church, he says to you, he says to me, now I want you to go. I want you to go and I want you to go into all nations and I want you to be fruitful and multiply. I want you to make disciples. I want you to baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I want you to teach them all the things they need to know to obey me. And hey, I'm going to be with you even to the ends of the earth. I'm, I'm going to be with you, but go and multiply. Go, go and, and make my renown known. Go and live for Jesus. That was the beginning call in Genesis that's the recreated in Christ Jesus you were created for God you were created to have fellowship with God you were created your ultimate purpose is to tell God's story in the world all right you ready last one some of you are like oh gosh I never thought I'd get through them here we go <clears throat> join in if you like Go tell it on the mountain, over the hills and everywhere. Go tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ is born. You see, that's a call. This is a go tell. Our call is to say, hey, we found our identity. It was stolen by sin, but it's been rescued by Jesus. We found the fellowship. And the fellowship has come from a king a king named Jesus who would lay his life down for us. Uh, we found our purpose. It's to go and tell. 
Uh, we are God's show and tell books. We are the one that God wants to show the world who he is. That he, remember, he wants to show the world that he loves sinners like you. You don't have to pretend to be something else. You just got to be you in love with him. And to know that he's come for sinners like you and me. And go, let him tell that story. That's why we sing, joy to the world, the Lord has come. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Go and tell. And he says, joy to the world, the Lord has come. And go tell it. And it says this in joy to the world. Far as the curse is found. Far as the curse is found, far as the curse is found, far as, far as the curse is found. I wasn't even going to do that. That tastes like extra. <laughs> We're going to pass the plate again. This is entertainment. You got to get an entertainment plate. So get ready. I'll open up those wallets. Uh, all right. Try not to ruin your sermon. Far as the curse is found. The curse all within and all without of brokenness. Go and tell. When he says go tell on the mountains, I was just uh, in North Carolina in Brevard area where we have a conference center, the PCA does. That's where my daughter and son-in-law live. That's where we all gathered. I tell you, waking up and seeing mountains. You know, I lift my eyes up to the mountains, to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, maker of heaven and earth. I mean, it's just so beautiful. You drive back to Florida and you just realize everything's getting flatter, 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 flatter. It's like, oh my gosh. It was a beautiful sunset last night. Did you see it? It's kind of nice driving back to that. You're reminded that Florida does have its own beauty. But the reality is we don't have any many mountains to tell it, do we? Over the hills. Run to Mount Dora. <laughs> we all have to go up to Claremont and uh, find that one hill and stand and start singing. But I think what God is saying is this. Go tell it where you could be heard. Go tell it where you could be heard. And he's given you a mountain. It's called your house. It's called your job. It's called your neighborhood. He's, he's given you a place to be heard. He's given you gifts. He's given you a family. He's given you a church. He's given you a place to be heard. So you don't have to drive to mountains to go tell this good news. You have to live your life. You have to live your life in the, in the platform that God gave you. And he gave it just to you. You got to realize that. You don't, don't, don't wish you had somebody else's mountain. Don't do that. Don't wish you even had somebody else's voice. You just heard mine. Don't do that. He, he wants, listen, he loves you. He came for you. This is personal with you and God. And he's given you your gifts and he's given you your calling. And he wants you to know if you spend a nanosecond, and we do, trying to find your identity in creation and not the creator, you're missing it. Come back to him. And that fellowship that you long for, it's only found in him. And the purpose that God has called you is to be fruitful to live by the power of the Holy Spirit, bear the fruit of the Spirit, to be fruitful, to multiply, to tell others in your own way about the good news of what Christ has done for you. Go and tell it on the mountain this Advent. Go that you have had your identified rescue, your identity rescued, your fellowship restored, and your purpose has come back into shape. Let us pray. And Father God, this Advent, may we see the beauty of Jesus's work to come and to restore to us all that the father created us to do and to know and to be. And God, it's such a beautiful story. I just think oftentimes 
from a literary standpoint of view, if nothing else, it's an incredibly beautiful story. But God, because it's inspired by your Holy Spirit, because it's true, and because you have made us in your own image and your son has come to rescue us, because Jesus, you did experience broken fellowship with the Father so that our fellowship could be restored. What an incredible life and life abundantly we now have in you. And God, you want us to go and tell. And to tell it in a place that we could be heard. And we don't have to find that. We just have to live that. And help us to do it for your glory, I pray in Christ's name. Amen.